There we go. Sorry. My bad. Uh, before you sit down, I want you to uh, say hello to one another, and, and I'm going to give you just a, a brief discussion question, and that is, this time of year, what is it that brings you peace or rest? I know, tough one for the holiday season, right? It gets really busy, but think about that. Why don't you ask that to somebody around you? Introduce yourself, say hello, let's welcome each other this morning. All right. Peace, be still, have a seat. <laughs> if you didn't say Jesus, then you were, that was the wrong answer. I'm sorry. That was a, that was a test. <laughs> hey, uh, so uh, my name is Brett Wellstead. I'm the pastor of worship here. If this is your first Sunday or your second Sunday, I just uh, want to put that out there because um, you're going to see a rotating cast uh, up here speaking. We are currently searching for a new lead pastor, and you can find out more about that on our website, newcovchurch.org. And while I'm doing some housekeeping things, one other thing is that women, if you, if you held up your phone to scan that QR code uh, during the women's event, it took you to a dead link. Um, you can go to newcovchurch.org slash events, and there's a button where you can register. And uh, I think some are bringing cookies, so you can sign up for that if you want to, or you can just sign up to come and enjoy cookies. That works too. Okay, so you, you're probably familiar with the story of the Christmas truce of 1914, but if you've never heard this story, I want to tell you about it. Oh. It's, it's not a joke. There really was a Christmas truce. On 19- <laughs> I was like, what are they showing up there? I, I got scared for a second. Um, no, there, there was this uh, a Christmas truce, and this is how it happened. In 1914, Germany was invading France, and uh, there was this long stretch of trenches on both sides of the war, and troops were just firing at each other for months. Um, the, the trenches became known as the Western Front, and it... It ran across part of Belgium and most of France, from the English Channel to Switzerland. Um, Soldiers from Belgium, France, and Britain faced off against German troops, each in their own trenches, sometimes separated by as little as 100 feet. In September 1914, a new pope called for a truce between the nations, but was ignored. Um, But then on Christmas Eve, no one knows how exactly it started or where, but this truce happened. And according to some accounts, here's the account of one British soldier. He said, uh, first the Germans would sing one of their carols, and then we would sing one of ours, until we started singing, O Come All Ye Faithful, and the Germans immediately joined in, singing the same hymn to the Latin words, Adesta Fidelis. And I thought, well, this is really a most extraordinary thing, two nations both singing the same carol in the middle of a war. The next morning... German soldiers began calling out Merry Christmas in English. And nervously, they started appearing from the trenches, some carrying signs that said, You no shoot, we no shoot. (laughs) Allied troops cautiously ventured out to greet them. And then throughout the day, they exchanged gifts of cigarettes, food, buttons, and hats. They ate together. According to one story, a makeshift ball was used for a friendly game of soccer or as the rest of the world calls it, football. Uh, (laughs) Thank you, football fans. It was a Christmas miracle. It was peace on earth. Except that it wasn't true peace, was it? 1914 was the first of a five-year war that we now know as World War I. 
thousands died. In fact, even that Christmas truce wasn't complete. In some places, soldiers attempting to fraternize were shot by their opponents, and fighting went on uninterrupted in some areas of the Western Front. No truce, no peace. And so it goes. In 2003, a journalist named Chris Hedges looked into whether or not there have been any sustained periods of peace on Earth. And he defined, for this, for this little experiment, he defined war as an, any active conflict that claimed more than 1,000 lives. In 3,400 years of recorded history, he only found 268 that didn't hold any account of a war between nations or peoples. We see it every time we turn on the news, especially right now. Ukraine has been under attack by Russia since February 24th. But the war between those two nations actually goes back to 2014. Peace on earth would be a miracle, wouldn't it? We need peace, not just in our world, but in our country, in our churches, in our families, and in ourselves. So, this time of year, we read in the Bible that 2,000 years ago, angels appeared to shepherds singing glory to God in the highest heavens and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. We sing songs that help establish this truth in our hearts and traditions, but what does it mean Today, as we continue through Advent, we're going to look at a second important title that belongs to Jesus, Prince of Peace. Um, Now, if you missed it last week, I want to encourage you to grab a copy in the gathering space of uh, this, The Promised One, which is uh, produced by Christianity Today. It's a devotional that we're reading together as we go through Advent. There's still some copies out there. It would be great if all of them were gone by the end of today. So if you need one, if your family needs an extra one, feel free to grab one after the service. Um, they are fantastic, and, and by the way, the artwork that you see up on here matches what's going on in the devotional. Um, so it's, it's a really cool uh, devotional. My wife and I read at least most of them this week uh, together. So uh, it's, it's fantastic stuff. Um, there are even some group and family suggestions in the back, too, activities that you can do together. Uh, but this week, we're focusing on Prince of Peace, and so I'm going to start with the passage that Brent read last week, which is Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. It says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it, with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Verse 6, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The first two of these, Wonderful Counselor and Mighty God, um, suggest divine wisdom and power. And the second two titles, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace, communicate what God accomplishes by the first two. In being our wonderful counselor and mighty God, Jesus makes a way for us to be adopted as sons and daughters of God. God is our everlasting father. And then there's Prince of Peace. In verse 7, Isaiah takes this title and expands on it. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. I want to talk about this idea. Far beyond the temporary truce, far beyond even years of peace at a time, Jesus The Prince of Peace brings a peace that never ends. His reign never ends. This peace is very different because the word for peace in the Bible means so much more than just the absence of war. The word for peace in the Old Testament is shalom. 
Shalom encompasses a much broader meaning than what we think of when we think of peace. It means wholeness, completeness. It, it can express safety or soundness in body. It's, it's peace, but it's not passive. In relationships, it's more like friendship. The Bible uses shalom to describe the fulfillment of God's covenant relationship with his people. Carolyn Ahrens, a, a Christian music artist, writes, Beyond cessation of war, shalom is a transformation of the conditions that lead to war in the first place. Where there is shalom, everything gets to function the way it was created to. Shalom rejects the idea of life as a zero-sum game and dares to imagine the comprehensive flourishing of every person and everything all at the same time. That's a sneak peek of tomorrow's devotion, by the way. But, but isn't that a beautiful idea? Shalom is this peace that transforms us, that transforms families, that transforms nations. In the New Testament, the Greek word equivalent to shalom is irene. Irene shows up in every book of the New Testament except 1 John, but it shows up in 2 John and 3 John, and it also shows up in the Gospel of John and Revelation. So every author of the New Testament clued in on this vision of Jesus as the Prince of Peace, as one who brings a peace that transforms. What does a peace that transforms look like? Let me tell you a quick story that comes to mind when I think of peace that transforms. Uh, in 2005, on a Thursday night in late February, Tracy called me to say that we needed to go to the hospital. She was right around nine months pregnant, so we were excited. And then she spent most of the night getting ready to give birth, and then our son Cole was born the next morning. And that was when I first started to suspect that the Carol silent night was extremely misleading. <laughs> Cole was not tender and mild. He cried loudly. He did not sleep in heavenly peace, and neither did we. But the thing is, when Cole would cry, I felt this extreme sense of anxiety or stress. It would manifest itself physically right here in my chest. I could, I could feel it. Like, it would just clench me up. And, and I like to think that I felt such love and empathy for my new son that that I couldn't stand to hear him unhappy. Maybe that was part of it. But his crying worried me so much that I never thought I would get a moment's peace. But I did. When, when he would sleep, or as I learned how to be a better dad, um, how to respond to him, or as he eventually started crying less and less a couple months ago, I felt... <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I felt more and more at peace. And that peace helped me grow as a dad. And, and, and that's not a perfect analogy, but it's definitely something that I think most of us can relate to on some level. These feelings of anxiety or fear or anger or frustration, we get knotted up inside or we, we feel restless. Something bad happens and it's hard to move on. It, it, it kind of consumes us. Sometimes it leads us into battle and, and the object of our negative emotion becomes our enemy. And right there... On an individual level, that's why we need a prince of peace to reign in our hearts. In Jesus, we have peace that grows and transforms us. A peace that passes understanding. In Jesus, we have shalom, completeness, wholeness, restoration. So maybe the next question is, how does Jesus bring us this peace? Well, first, 
Jesus accomplished peace between us and God by dying on the cross. We sang about that a little bit this morning. In Isaiah, there are four passages that have come to be known as the servant songs or the suffering servant songs. All of them describe someone who's only referred to as the servant. And we won't go through each of them this morning, but they tell a story. They tell the story of a servant anointed by God's spirit who will bring justice, not only to the nation of Israel, but also to the Gentiles, a servant who is righteous, who is without fault, and who follows God's will, a servant who is rejected and despised and bears the sins of many, and who eventually is glorified. You can find this in Isaiah 42, Isaiah 49, Isaiah 50, Isaiah 52 to 53. And these passages will sound familiar if you look them up. Um, In Luke, we read of Jesus opening the scroll to that exact passage in Isaiah 52 and 53, reading it and telling all those gathered that the prophecy is fulfilled in him. In Mark 10, 45, Jesus tells his disciples, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is the fulfillment of these servant songs. He's full of the Spirit of God, and though he will come in glory, he first suffered and died to pay the price for our sins. And that has brought peace between us and God. We need this. Without Jesus, things are not right between us and God. Paul's letter to the Romans goes so far as to call us enemies of God when we are without Jesus. It says, uh, he says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through it? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? And I hope you caught that first part. God loved us so much that while we were still rebelling against him, Jesus died to bring us peace with God. If you trust in Jesus, if you believe he is the son of God, if you've put your faith in him, then Jesus has paid the price for your sin. Through his death, he has accomplished peace with God for us. Second way that Jesus accomplishes peace is he accomplished peace in our relationship with others. In the early church, there were Jewish believers, that is, people who followed Jesus but came from a Jewish background, descendants of Israelites, uh, followed all the rules of Moses, the law of Moses. And then there were Gentile or Greek believers. These were basically people who weren't disciples of the Israelites, or descendants of the Israelites, sorry. It's obvious, reading through Acts and the letters of the early church in the New Testament, that the two groups of believers had a lot of issues with each other, a lot that needed working out. And that went back a long way. The temple, for instance, where God was worshipped, it had the Holy of Holies, which only the the priests could go into. It had the the inner court, which Jewish or Israelites could go into. And then it had the outer courts for everyone else. The inner space, uh, like I said, of the temple was reserved for God's presence. Israelites could draw pretty near to that Holy of Holies, but Gentiles were only allowed to observe from afar. They weren't invited in. But Jesus changed all that, and we read about it in Ephesians, where Paul writes, He, Jesus, is our peace. He made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh he made of no effect the law, consisting of commands and expressed in regulations, so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. 
He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. The early church was facing major division, but Jesus tore down the differences. Not only did he reconcile these two disparate groups to each other, but Jesus reconciled both groups together to God. There's no room for hostility toward the other in the kingdom of God. And Jesus invites all people to follow him. Man, woman, American, Russian, Iranian, European, boomers, Gen X, millennial, Gen Z, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Independent. No matter our differences, and some of these differences might seem great, we are reconciled to each other in Jesus Christ. There can be peace between us. Not just a polite surface-level peace, but a peace that transforms us to be more like Jesus and to show others what the kingdom of God is about. The third way that Jesus brings peace is he will establish peace on earth when he returns to reign. Advent isn't so much about pointing to Christmas as it's about pointing to Jesus coming again. When he does, he will restore all things so that, as Carol Aaron wrote, everything gets to function the way it was created to a comprehensive flourishing of every person and everything all at the same time. When I look around today, I see a world that is not functioning the way it was created to. There's a brokenness around us that honestly breaks my heart. Broken relationships, broken countries, a broken planet. And there's the phrase, it is what it is. Well, maybe, but it's not what it once was. And it's not what it will be. Jesus told his disciples that he would return, and so I believe he will return. He's preparing a place for us where there will be no more weeping, no more dying, no more pain, no more brokenness, a place of peace. What would happen if we kept that in mind every day? That Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is coming again to make all things new and all things right. That's good news, right? What will... What you're facing right now, the thing that brings the physical reaction of anxiety, Jesus will make it right. He will make you new. He's making you new right now. If we could hold on to that when we're worried or when we're wronged, when we see injustice, when we see injustice in ourselves, peace. Jesus is returning. There's this song that, that Mary sings that Luke records, and it goes like this. This is Luke 1, 46 to 55. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, because the Mighty One has done great things for me, and his name is Holy His mercy is from generation to generation and on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors." The song is often called uh, the Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord, Mary sings. 
And she sings this before Jesus is born. Isn't that beautiful? She hasn't even met Jesus, the Prince of Peace, yet. But she recognizes that God makes all things right. He satisfies the hungry. He exalts the lowly. His mercy is from generation to generation. What would happen if we kept this God, this hope for our future, in mind every day? It would transform us. It would transform our families, our neighbors, our communities. When we keep in our mind and hearts that Jesus is all about lifting up the poor and the broken and the oppressed, and when we follow Jesus in that, we can experience the Prince of Peace today, and we can joyfully and peacefully look forward to his return. So I want to suggest a few ways that we can respond to the Prince of Peace. First, Some spiritual practices can go a long way toward helping us experience God's peace regularly. (laughs) Sometimes we sound like a broken record on these things, but man, sometimes the the old ways are the best ways, and the very simple things are the best things to do. So these might sound familiar, but reading your Bible regularly, daily even, is a daily reminder that, that God is good, and that Jesus loves you, and that there's grace and hope for all of us, for all people. The more we hear that, the more at peace we'll find ourselves. Number two, spending time in prayer. The Magnificat is actually a great prayer form. Uh, It praises God, it remembers how he has moved, and it confesses a trust that he will continue to move. When you're worried, um, it might be worth reading through the Magnificat and just reminding yourself that God has done great things, that he keeps his promises, that he's faithful. Number three, making Sunday worship a priority in your week. I'm the worship pastor. I kind of have to say this every week. Sorry. Um, but but I, I think it's true. Uh, worship on Sunday is connected to Sabbath. It's connected to rest, which are concepts that you, you might read about this week. Um, definitely concepts we find in the Bible. God wants us to experience restful peace from our labor weekly. The second thing, do the introspective work of figuring out what walls you've built around yourself. Let me say that one more time. Do the introspective work of figuring out what walls you've built around yourself. Jesus died on the cross to make us one people, Christians. Galatians 3.28 reminds us that in Christ, differences in ethnicity, sex, and social status shouldn't define or divide us. We are one in Jesus. If you find yourself thinking less of some subset of Christians, it might be something you need to confess and repent of. Let God take care of those things that you're worried about or that you think you see in someone else's uh, life. Jesus removed the dividing wall of hostility. Why do we insist on building it back up? And then finally, We can experience some Prince of Peace when we bring peace to others. Ask God to open your eyes to the needs around you, and then meet a need. Help someone. Volunteer with a community organization. Serve here in one of our ministries. You can also give. Uh, Your tithes and offerings help us minister to our community and our world. When you consistently and sacrificially give, it matters. It makes a difference. I think uh, maybe we've talked about this already, but in case we haven't, um, we, we just finished Operation Christmas Child, and uh, here are the numbers. 
Um, Operation Christmas Child, of course, we, we pack shoe boxes that go to uh, children around the world and share the gospel with them and, and give them uh, gifts. New Cove packed over 1,100 shoe boxes and 75 online boxes. Yeah, that's all right. And they say that each shoebox, because they've been doing this a while, they have uh, the, the research to figure this out, they say that each shoebox has the potential to impact nine people with the gospel. So that's over 10,000 people that will hear about Jesus or be touched with the good news. That's awesome. And that's what it looks like when we pool resources, when we, we pull together and do something together. Another example is something that we've done the past couple of years in New Cove. Uh, we were inspired by, something, inspired by something called Random Acts of Christmas that uh, John Leesfeld, a.k.a. Jack Mitchell of KLIN, does each year. Uh, and the basic idea is that we take $10,000 from our church budget, and we break it into $100 bills, and we give a bill to 100 of us who call New Cove home, and we ask the people with those bills to meet a need or to bless someone around you with it. Give it to uh, someone who needs something or use it to meet a need for somebody. You can get creative with this. You can um, do this with your small group and, and figure out some ways to do it. Uh, I want to invite Carissa up. Um, she's going to share a story of what she and Daniel did last year uh, with their $100. Um, but there's, there's so many uh, great stories. Uh, and so, Carissa, come on up and... We won't know until you say something. <laughs> no? Press and hold. Yep. Oh, there it goes. Let's turn it on. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, Carissa, uh, tell us, um, why don't I just let you tell the story of, of how you, uh, how you, what you did with your money. Like, yeah, so yeah. We, we didn't know who we would give it to, um, didn't really have anyone in mind when we took the money, um, but I, we committed to pray every day. And so as I left the house every day, I just prayed, God, if there's someone who needs this, please, please let me know. Um, and so I had stopped in at a restaurant to get gift cards and just walked up buying the gift cards and felt God say, the restaurant manager. And as any good Baptist would do, I was like, are you sure? <laughs> let's, let's make sure. And... So I unfortunately left there that day and was just still praying about it, saying, I don't know. I, what was that you, God? Or you, is, this, is this you? Prayed about it for a while. How, how long is a while, do you know? I think it was about a week. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm a good, the wool needs to be dry, wet, hot pink, <laughs> on fire but not burning type of person. <laughs> and so... It was about a week, and um, finally, I was praying about it, and I said, God, I just don't know, as a restaurant manager, does she really need the $100? And he said, this isn't about the $100, this is about me, and her knowing that I love her. So I went into the restaurant and um, handed her the $100 and told her what New Cove was doing, and she was overcome, and a coworker of hers told me it had been a really hard morning that they had had a lot of people call in and that it they had a lot of orders to get out. It was just a really hard day. And um, 
after she recovered, she had told me that she had just been to church for the first time in a long time. Mm -hmm. And I left it with her with God sees you, God loves you, and he wants to know you better. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Carissa. It can be as simple as that. Uh, we, we, collect a, we collect the stories every year, and there will be a way for you to share stories. And, uh, you know, uh, we've got a story of someone who uh, just randomly felt God was pointing out somebody in the grocery store. And, uh, and they left, and then they realized, no, i, I got to go back in. So they went back in and, and, you know, wound their way through the store trying to find this guy <laughs> and found him and blessed him with the money. We have another uh, who... They and their small group, and even some people from another church who, who had some, something like this going on, uh, they went to a restaurant and tipped their waitress uh, $700. And, uh, like, you want to see life change happen in a second. Um, and she shared her whole story with them, how, uh, how her husband had, uh, had left recently, how she had car troubles last month, how, how much this meant to her and, and how she was able to do something nice for her kids for Christmas with it. So it goes a long way, this generosity. And, and the reason that we do this, the reason that we've done it the past couple of years and are doing it again today is, is just to practice generosity, to practice asking God, what do you want me to do today? Who can I bring peace to or joy to? And, and, and how can I do that? So uh, blessing someone in that way. So at the end of the service, I'll have some instructions on, on how to do that, uh, how we're going to distribute. Um, so uh, stay tuned. Um, let me invite the worship team to come on up. And uh, we're gonna, you're going to hear a song from them, and, uh, and then I'll come up and, and kind of close us out, and we'll sing one more song together. But the thing that I want you to reflect on uh, during this song is just, God, where are the areas within myself where I, I need your peace? Who are the people around me that, that need your peace? And what are the things that I can pray uh, right now uh, for peace? If you'd like to use this time to share your prayer requests with us, we love to pray for you. So anything, if there's anything that we can pray for you, you can uh, scan the code on the seat in front of you or go to newcovchurch.org and there's a button there to share prayer requests. Um, you can also give your offerings at this time or if you, uh, if you uh, would like, there's a, a box as you're leaving. As I said, your giving makes a difference. We, we can't do this uh, with, without all of us doing it together. So let's continue to worship. Uh, let's reflect on the Prince of Peace. And uh, let's, let me turn it over to the worship team here. <laughs>